What questions do you ask about Easter? I think we all ask at least some questions about Easter. How did Easter bunnies become part of this holiday? Uh, also, why Easter eggs? Also, why so many jelly beans? Uh, on a more serious note, I think we all have asked at least two questions about the significance of Easter. Uh, some of us have asked those questions now as adults, and some of us even asked them as kids. And actually, as my kids were growing up, they would ask one of these questions when we were going, that we're going to look at today. Uh, usually, it would come after reading them one of their favorite and most requested stories uh, from our Bible, the, the story about the sun stops shining. Almost immediately after finishing the story, each time my son would ask, and then later when my daughter was older, she would ask the exact same question each time. And this first question that almost all of us asked is, why did Jesus have to die? Uh, the complete answer to this question was really above my kids' ability to fully comprehend at the time, and yet the magnitude of the answer is also probably not fully realized by us adults. Now, I tried to answer this question many, many times with an answer that I thought they could understand, However, they would still ask the question at least once every time we read that story. That if Jesus came to the world to save the world, including saving you and me, why did he have to die? Why couldn't he just come and take over and, and take us with him to a better place and take care of the bad people or maybe change them? That of all of God's options, why was this the one chosen? Now, the second Easter question is sort of connected to that. Why does it matter if Jesus actually rose from the dead? Now, the answer to these questions aren't too far away, actually. Uh, basically, we just have to look at our windows and on our phones and on our computers, seeing the international situations that we read about and, and see videos from, including the devastation in Ukraine. And then there are the situations a bit closer to home, like the tragic shooting in the Brooklyn subway this week. Add to that increasing instances of violence around the Bay Area, plus sort of that ripple effects that continue to flow from the pandemic. And then there are the personal situations that seem incredibly hopeless. Uh, maybe it's job stuff for you. Uh, maybe you're facing the grief of losing a loved one or maybe several loved ones. Uh, maybe there's a relationship, uh, a drama. Uh, maybe it's marriage, dating, parenting, friendships. Uh, maybe financial difficulties. Uh, maybe you just look at the situation of our country with, with the politicians and geopolitical tensions and political stunts being pulled. And then you look at the climate. That the answer to these two Easter questions, why did Jesus have to die? And why does it matter if Jesus actually rose from the dead? The answers to these questions are incredibly important because without those answers, I don't know how any of us face those situations. If you're not a Christian or you used to be one, the answer to these, to these two Easter questions is also for you because the great thing about Jesus' death is that he opened the way for everyone. Everyone, regardless of any qualifiers. He opened the way for everyone to have access to the answers to these two questions. Now, I'm not sure what you believe about Jesus. Uh, maybe some of you are Jesus followers, uh, where Jesus is sort of everything to you. Uh, maybe some of you just sort of are nominal Christians, and, and you call yourself a Christian, but you're not sure what you believe about Jesus. And some of you might struggle with a loving God among all this despair and tragedy. We probably have a spectrum of beliefs about Jesus together. Whatever you believe about Jesus, though, the answer to these Easter questions will shape who you view Jesus to be. So we're going to read the story of one of the first eyewitnesses' accounts, Discovering Jesus Rose from the Dead. And then we're going to look at a single verse from Jesus that would sort of summarize the answers to these Easter questions. We're going to start reading in Luke chapter 24. You can follow along in the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the More menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have all the notes and verses on the screen as well. 
we actually have four accounts of Jesus' life, which is actually pretty amazing historically. Uh, this account comes from Luke, who was actually alive during Jesus' life. And Luke actually researched and interviewed and, and put together an orderly account of Jesus' life, his death and his resurrection. And Luke tells us that after Jesus' crucifixion on Friday, Luke chapter 24, verse 1, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, and so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. Now we should pause for a moment to sort of highlight two items from this. Uh, first, we need to highlight the importance that these women were the first to experience Jesus' resurrection. That Jesus showed himself as a resurrected Savior first to women. Now, culturally, in Jesus' day, this was a huge deal because while women could give testimony in private venues, they were not allowed to testify publicly. So Jesus revealing his resurrection to women first, that was a big deal. And in some ways, this would make it more difficult for the message of Jesus to be believable. And yet, Jesus elevates the value of women by being seen by them first and putting them in the center of these events. Uh, second highlight, no one assumed a resurrection. None of the people who looked into Jesus' empty tomb assumed he rose from the dead. These women and several men watched him die on a cross on Friday, and it seems clear from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's accounts that they all expected Jesus to do what we would expect dead people to do, stay dead. Like, death is inescapable. No one gets away from it, right? Now, continuing on with Luke's account of the first Easter Sunday, verse 4. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Now, some of you might get sort of excited about this part because you have felt the implications of this event in your own life. And then others of you might get even more skeptical about us, about this story, and about so much more. And that's okay because this is actually something you have in common with Jesus' first century friends. That if you acknowledge Jesus was a historical person, if you believe that he said some, some good things and, and maybe even we should emulate some of his lifestyle, but you think the resurrection is nonsense, then you are in good company. Because as we'll see, Jesus' closest friends felt the same way on the first Easter morning when they discovered that his body was gone. None of them assumed a resurrection. They assumed what everyone would assume because they assumed that Jesus would stay dead. The angel continues. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Verse 8. Then they remembered that he said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Like basically, that's the list of the women who were there first to experience Jesus' resurrection. Verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. It sort of goes without saying, but men... How many times would we be better off believing our wives or listening to any of the women around us? Because eventually we come around anyhow, right? Verse 12, however, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. 
Now, again, if you struggle with the possibility of Jesus rising from the dead, you are in good company. One of Jesus' closest followers who experienced so many incredible things with Jesus, even he wondered what was happening that first Easter Sunday. Now we're going to look at a single verse from Jesus that will sort of summarize the answers to our questions about Easter. Uh, John records Jesus saying this in John chapter 16. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Now you might be wondering like, what did Jesus just tell them? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Actually, right before this verse, Jesus let his followers know that he is going to willingly give up his life and be killed. So he says, I'm telling you this so that in me you may have peace, which sounds rather bizarre, right? Because thinking about being killed leading to peace, it doesn't make sense. And unfortunately, though, because the followers of Jesus were sort of distracted by his statement that he was going to die, they missed the point after that that Jesus said, three days later, I'm going to be resurrected from the dead. They missed that part because they were so overwhelmed by that sort of negative news, the the death and the tragedy and the, the messiness of that statement. Verse 33, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me, And actually, I think peace is possible. Even though peace has been hard to agree on for Ukraine and Russia, even though there have been several shootings in the past few months and really increased violence in many U.S. cities, I think peace is possible and is something that really all of us want to some extent. That here on earth, though, you will have many trials and sorrows, Jesus says. That there is difficulty coming. If you're not coming out of a difficult situation or currently in a difficult situation, there are many trials and sorrows coming your way. We all sort of understand that, though no one likes to think about that, right? On this earth, we will face trials and sorrows. Now, some people try to deny that there are trials and sorrows, and unfortunately, the classic offenders of that can be Christians. Uh, If you've ever seen the Lego movie, you could call them Emmett, because everything is awesome. These people just sort of see everything as rosy, as great, as awesome. However, denying the fact that there are challenges in the world can lead to a person who's difficult to deal with because they live their head, live their life with their head in the clouds. And it can be difficult to sort of relate to a person like that. So I wouldn't propose that you deny there is trouble in the world. A better option is to understand what Jesus says next, because that can allow us to have peace. He says, but take heart. And that phrase, take heart, was sort of used by Jesus many times. It can mean don't fear, fear not, cheer up, lift your head up. Basically, don't just focus on the fact that there is trouble and don't deny the fact that there is trouble. Unfortunately, we shouldn't sort of be surprised when trouble comes our way. There might be a breakup coming, maybe a sickness coming down the road. You might lose your job. Maybe there's some relational drama coming. All of us will eventually have a health problem, right? Trouble might already be here or it's on its way. And so Jesus is saying, I want to help you lift your head up out of the trouble. I want to help you understand why I'm about to do what I'm about to do. That if you're willing to hear me out, I want to give you some helpful information that really could change your life and help provide you with some peace in this troubled world. And so he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Now what he says next is actually sort of his mic drop moment. Because I've overcome the world because I've overcome the world. That as dangerous as it can be to deny that in this world there will be trouble, it is equally dangerous to deny that the potential to overcome the world actually exists. The answers to the questions, why did Jesus have to die? And and why does it matter if Jesus actually rose from the dead? Uh, Because rising from the dead demonstrates Jesus can actually overcome the world. 
without Jesus actually rising from the dead, we can't trust that he can really offer us peace. We can't trust that Jesus can overcome any part of the world or really anything. We can't trust anything he said because he predicted that he would rise from the dead. Because Jesus went to the cross and willingly gave up his life. No one took it from him. God didn't make him die. He willingly gave up his life to pay the consequence for our sin. And then the tomb was empty so that we could see in and see a resurrected Savior, a Savior who does what he says he will do. We get to see that Jesus actually willingly gave up his life and can overcome a world, and overcome the world rather, because he was resurrected. And Jesus overcame a world where innocent people are dying in Ukraine. But peace is possible because we have an overcoming Savior. Jesus overcame a world where things like the Boston subway shooting or the Brooklyn subway shooting that happen, those things happen and instantly dozens of families' lives are thrown into chaos and grief, but yet they can find peace because we have an overcoming Savior. Jesus overcame a world caught in fear and misinformation and apathy, and he provided a way forward overcoming all of that because we have an overcoming Savior. That Jesus dying on a cross is a reminder that this world can be overwhelming. But Jesus rising from the dead reminds us that we can face an overwhelming world because we have an overcoming Savior. Now, I know I don't know all of your stories or many of your stories. And if I did know your story, it would probably cause me to pause. But I also know that there are many people watching today who have faced overwhelming situations. And if they could tell us their story, they would say that the only way they were able to face those overwhelming situations was because they could trust in an overcoming Savior. In fact, I think the only way to make it in an overwhelming world is to know that there is an overcoming Savior. Uh, maybe you're here today and, and things are going good and, and there's nothing overwhelming in your life right now. If everything is good, then sort of just take this and put it in your back pocket and hold on to it because there will come a day when you will need it. Now, for those of you who are going through something difficult right now, I'm sorry that's happening. Quite possibly, you are going through something you don't deserve. Uh, you might even blame God. And that's actually okay, because I don't know of any other relationship where you can say, I'm mad at you, I don't trust you, this is all your fault. You can say all of that, and the person wouldn't leave. Because you can say that all to Jesus, and Jesus isn't going anywhere. Now, the only way that you're going to experience peace in an overwhelming world is to follow an overcoming Savior. So why does it matter if Jesus actually rose from the dead? Because death is basically just separation. Uh, separation from our loved ones, separation from life itself, separation of body and soul. So not only does Jesus rising from the dead mean that he can overcome everything, including death, but Jesus overcoming death means that he can help you overcome any death in your life. Uh, maybe a relationship that seems dead, a habit or addiction that is killing you, an obstacle that feels like the death of a dream. But there are Easter ramifications on the other side of that as well. That without Jesus overcoming death, following Jesus doesn't matter. There would be no purpose because who wants to follow a liar or a lunatic? Because remember, Jesus predicted that he could overcome death by being resurrected. Also, without Jesus, without Jesus overcoming death, following Jesus has no power. Without the resurrection, what do we think following Jesus could help us overcome? Because we could easily find other people to follow with, with helpful teaching or our gatherings to attend with other people. Without Jesus overcoming death, following Jesus is just sort of a waste of time. Now, no matter what you are going through, I want you to know that there is hope because we have an overcoming Savior. And I believe peace is possible, but I don't think you're going to find peace 
by looking in this world, looking for stuff or, or watching the news or, or looking at politicians or joining some cause. We can find peace, though, through Jesus. And the thing about Jesus and Easter is that Jesus didn't just overcome death. He actually walked through death. That Jesus became human so we could know he could relate to us. And Jesus didn't just overcome death by sort of sidestepping it and and avoiding it. He actually willingly walked through it. Uh, My high school had a policy that if you missed less than three days of school in a year, you didn't have to take finals at the end of the year. And, And while this encouraged some students to attend school more regularly, it also encouraged some students, including myself, to actually attend school when we were a little bit sick because we didn't want to have to take finals at the end of the year. Well, each year of high school, I actually overcame final exams by avoiding them which was great for me. However, when my kids are facing final exams in high school, I won't be able to relate with their experience and their stress because I didn't walk through that situation. When Jesus overcame death, he did that as one of us. He didn't overcome our biggest common enemy by avoiding it. He walked through it. And he wants to walk with you through an overwhelming world. So would you take a step towards following Jesus today? Would you take a step towards trusting him to lead your life? Uh, Maybe for you, taking a step is just sort of coming back and watching with us next Sunday. Uh, Maybe it's taking all of your energy and strength to just sort of get online with us for the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time. We invite you to come back next Sunday to learn more about the God who loves you enough to send Jesus to overcome this world. Uh, For others of you, uh, maybe your step is to sort of wrestle with the spiritual questions that you have. Uh, God isn't afraid of your questions or your doubts. In fact, He actually welcomes them. And we would love to sit around coffee or lunch and have a conversation with you about life. If that's you, please head to our website, nlnc.org slash new, and let us know you're here and that you have some questions. We would love to discuss those with you. Uh, For others of you, though, today might be the day that your whole life changes just by sitting here. Today could be the day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your overcoming Savior. So this morning, I want to leave some space for some of you to take that step toward following Jesus. Uh, you may have made a decision as a kid, or, and then maybe you walked away from your faith, or, or maybe you've never had faith as an adult. In just a moment, I want to invite you to pray with me. Now, prayer isn't some sort of magic potion, but rather prayer is a conversation with God that is just one way to express our faith and trust in this overcoming Savior. And so if you would like to have peace and know that you can face an overwhelming world, because you have an overcoming Savior, then please pray along with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his death, for our sin, and for his resurrection, overcoming the world. And we know that we can look to him, or we at least hope and we have faith that we can look to him to overcome this world, an overwhelming world. So God, would you help us to put our faith and trust in you? We need your help. We want your help. Thank you so much for sending Jesus for us, God. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate with you. Uh, We want to celebrate with you because we think that there's not a more important decision that you can make in your life than making this decision to put your trust in our overcoming Savior. So right now, if you would, let us know your information so that we can help you in following Jesus. Because that's really why we're here as a church, is to help you to follow Jesus. Now, we're not going to spam you. Rather, we just want to help you as you follow our overcoming Savior.